first time ever. Hear you loud and clearly. Uh, and it was going place. That stuff's great. But the game is not a roguelike. Boomer shooter. <laughs> Bang. Hello, this is John St. John, and you're listening to KWEP In The Keep, bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the drowned god Cathala lulls your mind with the tastiest talk in town. Welcome to another chapter of In The Keep podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherlode. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. So this episode features a guy that I've been trying to get on this fucking podcast for like two years. This is Emerald Tiger. He is a prolific mapper especially in the world of you know quake 3 and quake live has maps that have been featured in you know the official quake live game and is just a really really interesting guy just a very thoughtful individual and god it was you don't understand how long i've wanted to have this guy on the fucking show man and i knew that this was going to be one that a lot of people you know, the original members of the keep, like, you know, Smango and Gelmo, a lot of the people like on the, the team wanted to hear on the show. And finally we got it to happen, but we're just shooting the shit talking about his awesome mod, which is called Uber arena. It's for quake three really just changes the game. And not, you know, I've mentioned already that he's a mapper, but the high level programming out of this guy's fantastic. Oh, sorry, that's Mrs. Motherload yelling at Mario Kart downstairs. Apologies. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff, like the technicalities of the game and just different ideas this guy has, but he's actually, you know, still a college student. He's working his way through learning computer science, and this is one of those fellas that I can definitely see in a few years uh, going on to work on some crazy fucking AAA shit, and we're all going to be, like, wishing that we had been kissing his ass a long time ago. But we'll go ahead and uh, apologize in advance. This has been a, a really fucking weird time for audio lately for me. So usually I record the podcast with what's called Craigbot, which is a really cool bot for Discord that allows a multi-track recording in a voice channel. If you're a podcaster, I definitely recommend picking it up for uh, your remote recordings. But lately, for some reason, it's been having issues connecting to the server. I've got to figure them out. I will, but you know, these have been recorded on OBS. So that is why. That said, this is not the most high quality audio production I've ever done. Uh, First of all, Emerald Tiger has not the greatest microphone in the world. Uh, No big deal. I can usually edit around that, but because it's not multi-track, I can, you know, only do so much as far as cleaning it up in post without fucking both of our voices up. So you're just going to have to like deal with it. Sorry. It's not that bad. It'll be okay. And, uh, we're just, it's not worth deleting this whole conversation over a little bit of echo in his voice. Like it's too good to let that shit get in your way, but Hey, I apologize. Uh, let's play some music for you. I think I'm going to play some stuff by Immorpher, the fucking beast, the greatest dark ambient musician on planet earth. 
love all this stuff. It, very famous in the world of you know Quake One mapping, especially. Chill, dig it. Don't let it put you in too dark of a place, and soon you'll be in the keep with Emerald Tiger. Is I guess you could say it's basically this huge experiment that it has a lot of different ideas that just kind of came together. And over time, as I got better at programming, uh, you know, I decided to finally you know take those ideas and um, make them into reality, make them into this big experimental project and. Some of the inspiration for for doing so uh, was Quake Champions. Oh, Quake, uh, no, Quake Champions, you know, that it's software is really trying to push for this, um, uh, you know, the new champions mechanic. They're wanting to kind of put their new spin on Arena FPS. And um, I understand that um, uh, it's controversial, you know, there's, there's some people who agree with the idea, some people who don't. I don't really have any personal opinions toward the mechanic or not, but I understand why why some people might not care for it. So I guess the motivation for me to to do Uber Arena was to kind of provide like an alternative evolution of the arena FPS genre. One that um that takes that takes some concepts that I feel might be more faithful to the formula that you know. Or people might not agree with what Champions has done, uh, but they might see potential in uh, the ideas I'm going forward with. So how, how long have you been working on it? Because I've only been aware of it since like 2018. So the mod was released in 2018. Uh, I, think, I think they 2018, uh, but of course I've been working on it for, for a good while. Uh, I mean, the mod didn't really start taking shape until very early 2018, maybe late 2017. Uh, but long before then, I've been experimenting with um, programming with Tech 3, with the with the Quake 3 uh, source code, uh, and just trying out all sorts of stuff, even as far back as 2014. Uh, like back in the day, I was um, I was pretty terrible at programming. I just didn't understand the code base all. So like what do I do? Everything's so confusing, but everything just slowly started making more sense. It's like kind of got deeper and deeper into it and everything. And um, over time I tried out some different, you know, mechanics, different ideas. I always kind of had in my head uh, and uh, then eventually I had enough of those ideas that, that I could make a full fledged mod out of them. Uh, that I could all compile them together into, into a mod, you know, that, People would uh, actually want to check out, and that's um, that's how the idea was. That's how the idea was born. Uh, it's it's basically it's basically a huge experiment, and um, it, it is a little unfocused. I heard some people say it's a little unfocused, which I do agree with. No, it's definitely not. It definitely doesn't really have any specific goal in mind other than uh, trying to revitalize the arena FPS genre, trying to. Add in some new ideas, you know, to evolve the genre and move it forward while still 
know, keeping the core principles that that make Arena FPS what it is. You know, being competitive, uh, you know, uh, requiring, uh, you know, uh, thinking and strategy, uh, you know, preserving all those important concepts. Yeah, what's what's interesting about it is, I mean, as you said, it, it is a bit on the unfocused side. It, it doesn't really seem to have any particular goal and all, but it, it seems like a big experiment, you know, in a lot of different ideas that you've had. And, you know, Quake 3 is a really special game to me and I'm sure a lot of people that listen to this podcast. But to yeah. kind of take a lot of the things that people, you know, don't like, like, you know, your advertisement for Uber Arena was like no loadouts, no champions, no item timers, and just like everything that kind of makes the game difficult in the first place. And just, you know, let's see what it looks like stripped down to just the basic core elements. I mean, uh, I mean, item timing and everything is still in um, in there, but like, um, uh, like part of my advertising was to definitely kind of contrast it with Quake Champions, which is, and also the it's another Quake Live at one point. You know, they had this whole loadout thing uh, that they implemented. Uh, I think I think they took uh, they took it out after some community response where most people didn't care for it. But at one point, they did try a thing where. You know, you could have loadouts and that along with the champions being, uh, you know, uh, I kind of, you know, used that as a selling point as Uber Arena doesn't have these things that you didn't like. So, you know, we're trying to keep it, you know, we're trying to keep this, you know, uh, as pure as possible, but while still expanding on it, you know, uh, in a way that still keeps the skill of weight, you know, in Arena FPS. So when did you originally you know, get into game creation and uh, I guess programming in your, in your case? Oh, uh, long before I started programming, I got into level design. Uh, um, and way back in 2009, uh, um, and I started uh, building stuff for Quake 2 and uh, some single player maps, which never saw the light of day. Just a bunch of, just a bunch of small projects that never really got anywhere, but I did, I did enjoy the process. I learned quite a bit from it. And then in uh, 2010, I started getting into Quake 3 level design, and I was just, uh, I really liked the engine, you know, I realized how smooth it was, how easy it was to build stuff for it. And um, I released my first public map um, that same year. Um, it was a space capture the flag map called Maximus Overdrive. It definitely has a lot of technical problems. Um, uh, looking back on it, it's... Um, uh, it's definitely not the best thing, but that was a that was a good stepping stone, and uh, from there, you know, I just steadily improved and um, uh, just kind of try to you know figure out figure out how to you know make things look better, you know. Uh, and so, in 2011, uh, I was a contestant in the 2011 Maverick Servers Mapping Competition. Uh, I submitted a capture flag map that called Tactical Assault. I only got ninth place in it, but nevertheless, I was still I was still happy with the results because I, I still learned quite a bit, you know, uh, and people gave a lot of great feedback, and plus I still won a game from it, so you know that was cool. Uh, and then later I made a I made another Quake Three map called Dynasty, uh, where I really started you know to try to focus more you know visual detail and attention, uh, and also trying to maintain the gameplay. Uh, was going for a very big, wide, expansive map, um, kind of rocket arena style, uh, 
I'm, I'm a really big fan of those kind of open areas, you know, those kind of maps. And then uh, a few years later, and uh, I would uh, begin work on a new server on, uh, which is was a quite by CTF map. Started out um, uh, just as a community map, but then um, uh, then the Quake Live team, Sinker, um, uh, really liked it. And uh, on that new server, I did eventually get added to the official Quake Live map pool in 2014, uh, which was, um, uh, I was really excited uh, when, he, um, when he told me he wanted to add my map. You know, uh, I was all, you know, that was something I was wanting to, you know, try and do for a while and then, you know, it finally happened and it just kind of felt surreal, like, you know, oh my God, it's actually happening, you know, uh, and, um, it's, uh, it was pretty interesting because when it first came out, like, and it got, it got into QuakeCon 2014, uh, there was a bit of controversy because there was, it got, it got taken out temporarily in the QuakeCon 2014 map pool, uh, because of some, uh, like FPS issues in the mid area. And so, like, there's announcements saying, hey, we're taking this map out. But then uh, there was, like, a backlash from, like, one of the teams because they were practicing a lot in that map before then. And so it quickly got added back into the pool, and then they did end up playing it. Of course, after that, I think it got taken out of the quite fun uh, map pool altogether. But it was, you know, tried out for a little bit, and it was pretty neat. I got to see some of the demos that they had played on it. And it was it was pretty uh, interesting, you know, fascinating to see, you know, uh, you know, some of the top professional players, you know, actually uh trying to navigate, you know, actually navigating my map, you know, and playing it, you know, and taking advantage of all the different things I incorporated in it. You no, know, it was very much the I think it's very much the pinnacle, you know, of you know, what any map uh, map crew you know wants to see is you know actually seeing that kind of high level play yeah on one of their very own creations. You know, I think that's definitely one of the biggest accomplishments that any mapper can really aspire to uh, you know or hope for. Yeah. Do you have like aspirations outside of just community mapping and and you know, like creating small mods or do you are you using this as a stepping stone towards something bigger? Um this is definitely a stepping stone towards something bigger. Originally, I was wanting to do, uh, you know, like arts and level design uh, for a good while, uh, but over time, I started getting more into programming uh, and coding, uh, and then I found out that maybe I actually enjoyed this more, being able to solve those kind of problems, you know, uh, and I started realizing maybe this resonates with me more than uh, like 3D modeling uh, or level design. Uh, you know, because I tried to get into 3D modeling myself. Um, I never really could quite, you know, uh, get on the frequency, uh, I guess, you know, uh, get my, you know, head in the game for 3D modeling. But programming was a lot more natural to me. Uh, I love being able to, you know, solve logical problems, you know, that kind of good feeling that you get when you're trying to fix a bug and then you, and then you solve it and then you just feel like a champion, you know. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a really good feeling, yeah. And so, so back in 2018, I um, applied for an online university. Um, uh, it's, a, um, it's called University of the People. Uh, um, uh, and it, what's really neat is that it's asynchronous. So, like, you don't have to attend the classes at a specific time. Uh, it's more like they just give you some assignments to do. Uh, you just finish them within the week. You submit them. You take your tests. And... Um, 
there's no tuition either. Um, all you have to do is pay for the tests and um, the security deposit when you um, first apply for the college. But um, uh, it was uh, definitely one of the best decisions I made in my life. And just less than a week ago, I finished my associate's degree and now I'm working towards my bachelor's in computer science. So um, I'm definitely excited about where that will be going. I'm hoping that in the future, you know, I can find uh, some good job opportunities out of it, you know, uh, doing something that I enjoy, doing something that I love. Yeah, it's weird, like how, I don't know, I talk about the, the pros and cons of school a lot on the show, and I'm, I'm never going to try to, like, discourage anyone. Like, if you want an education and you can afford it, absolutely get it. But, and you know, in your case, if you want to, you know, work in games, right, the fact that you have, you know, yeah, I've got a, maps that were featured in Quake Live. I've got, you know, uh, examples of what I can do uh, from a programming standpoint in a, you know, a way that if you're trying to get, you know, hired somewhere, if you're trying to uh, build an audience even for yourself to just, you know, make a game and have people think it's worth getting in the first place, it's, I think it's better to have actual work than it is to have a piece of paper that says like, yo, I'm good. But then on the other flip side of that is like, you know, if you want to uh, have this be a, kind of a side gig and then get, you know, get a quote real job. Then you got to have that fucking piece of paper. It's such a catch 22. Yeah. I think it's a good idea to have both. I mean, you know, uh, as, you know a lot of people are like wander together, but I feel like, you know, it's always best to be on the safe side, you know, uh, try to aspire to go for both, you know, have, have that portfolio, having a strong portfolio obviously is very good. You know, people actually want to be able to see what you can do, uh, but having the certificate also is very good. Uh, Probably because because the certificate shows that you know you understand some of those technical concepts that maybe don't immediately reveal themselves in the portfolio. Like you can make um like you can make something that looks really good, uh, but there's probably some technical problems lurking underneath. You know that's you know they don't communicate themselves in the portfolio, uh, but you know you have the certificate and that that tells them you know hey you know they know the what to do and what not to do and everything. No, oh, yeah. I mean, if you can manage your time that well and to that you can have the best of both worlds or if you have, I don't know, years of free time to really just go to college. I was in a situation right when I was like 18, 19, 20 years old where there was no fucking way I could go to college and support myself like at the same time. And luckily, you know, I, I got past that point in my life, but now that I'm, you know, I have a lot of work experience and a lot of shit that I do, I can't even imagine like going back to school. Uh, not, yeah, I'm not I, saying like I'm afraid of it. I'm like, I can't, I don't see a need for me to do it. Right. I totally understand that. You know, yeah. and I don't think it's something that everyone has to do, you know, or that's, it's not for everyone, you know, yeah. but for the people, you know, that they can do it or they want to do it, you know, I definitely wouldn't want to discourage them, you know, because I definitely think, you know, for those people, it's definitely a good a good idea. So, what what kinds of things have you picked up? You know, just in your I guess two years worth of schooling, that are what are you carrying to the table as a result of that? Anyway, I went to my I first went into university uh, university of course. I already knew a lot about programming before I went in. So, a lot of what I learned was more abstract concepts. You know, like software engineering, uh, you know, working in a business environment, you know, working as a team, uh, you know, different paradigms and uh, different uh, different ways of 
you know, designing programs and, you know, meeting customer needs, you know, that I didn't know about before, but, yeah. you know, are very relevant in the business world. And networking too. That's another big benefit of going to school is that you, you know, you're communicating with other people in your field all the time. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, having that, you know, that tree of people, you know, to be able to get in touch with, you know, uh, we'll definitely, you know, broaden your horizons, you know, help you get your name out there. So are you mainly just focusing on technical stuff in school or have you done any other like interesting projects or classes that are you know, worth noting through your school? Cause I know I have one friend, uh, Todos who made a cyber hook and he through his school was able to work on, you know, some games as school projects that ended up being available to sell and everything. I thought that was really neat. Right. I haven't, uh, I haven't been able to do anything like that during the course of my schooling. I mean, I've done small projects, of course, you know, for assignments, you know, to show that I understand the concepts, but nothing like, you know, any kind of big project that I did on the side, side or anything. Uh, but of course, I'm hoping that, you know, later on, you know, I can take the concepts I learned. I want to, you know, eventually be able to, you know, take on some projects of my own, you know, with, kind of build up a portfolio on, on GitHub, uh, you know, show, you know, what I'm capable of doing and hopefully uh, use that GitHub portfolio along with my, along with that certificate, you know, show potential employers that I have what it takes. Yeah. There's a lot of really interesting stuff you've done, you know, programming wise and just changes wise with Uber Arena that, I mean, already seem to speak towards a, a pretty good level of prowess. Like you have the, the item knockback mechanic is really fucking cool because you can like deny someone from picking up an item by just shooting at it or using splash damage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or like, um, let's say there's not, uh, let's say there's a red armor on a ledge or whatever, you know, more need I'd have to go around to it or I have to rocket jump to it and then take, uh, take some damage. But without a knockback, you just, uh, like launch a rocket at it. It's knocking back down to your level. So that's and being able to deny items, you know, uh, that already, I think, you know, these kind of mechanics in Uber Arena, you know, I definitely wanted to add new dimensions of gameplay uh, that preserve that preserve all the skill in Arena FPS and just add more skill on top of this, you know, more things to consider, more ways to approach situations, you know, that I think the competitive crowd would, would definitely find interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting how you know, Quake Three was the first in the series to depart. It, it used to be Quake. You're, you're familiar with Quake One and Two for sure, but the uh-huh, ar- yep. you know the armor system is different. It goes from being a, a suit system, and in Quake Three, that's when they transition to the what I call the shard system, right? So the the red armor is not any better than you know the yellow or green armor, other than yeah. the amount of armor you're wearing. So even with your your knockback mechanic, right? I mean, this is probably just some crazy idea. Probably don't do this, but what if you like <laughs> shot shot the red armor and the shot, you know, the damage to the armor was equivalent to what it would be, you know, if it were on a person, so that once they pick it up, it's actually diminished. That definitely is a pretty interesting idea. I have to admit, it'd be fun to program. I guess my only concern is, you know, uh, communicating with other players, you know, let them know that hey, this armor is damaged. You know, uh, that this isn't going to give you the full armor. I don't know how you do that. You know, I guess. I mean, I guess you could put cracks in it, but I guess also maybe be uh, easier for players to see if there was like a bar above it that showed how much, you know, armor value it had after getting knocked away. Yeah. So um, 
that's definitely potential for a, a cool idea. I don't know if it'd be integrated to the main part of the game. As like, you know, a, a console variable that you can set to or, you know, game setting. Uh, I think that would be definitely an interesting thing to approach. Yeah, I think it would be a actually probably terrible game mechanic for the player, but it would be very interesting to see that, uh, something like that programmed. Because it's oh, challenge, yeah. I would be interested in seeing that. Absolutely, yeah. And then you have you have a bunch of other really cool things going on. I like the trampolines. That's one of the coolest things about it. It's not there's not really anything you know super. Oh my god, what an amazing thing that is! It's just cool. It's a fun thing to do in game, and it changes the mobility a lot in certain areas. Yeah, the trampoline mechanic. Uh, even though it's not the trademark mechanic of Uber Arena, mm-hmm. it's definitely my personal favorite because it's just it just it's kind of beautiful in its simplicity. You know, it's just. I was, I was heavily inspired by Portal 2's Repulsion Shell. I'm sure you played Portal 2, and, you know, there's a blue shell where if you bounce on it, you know, it reflects your velocity. Uh, and so I just transferred that over, you know, to Quake, you know, because I thought that would, uh, I felt that that would work really well with Quake's physics. And sure enough, it just feels very natural. And, you know, you can do things with trampolines, incorporate them into the map design. Uh, and, um, uh, take advantage of the level design in a way that you really can't with with other traditional ways of moving players around, like, say, jump pads or stairs or accelerator pads. You know, trampolines are a lot more versatile because you know, they don't provide a fixed boost. You know, it's all dependent right. on how fast you're approaching it and what angle you're approaching it from. And, and I, really, I really strongly feel like if there's any mechanic from Uber Arena that's... Because I know there's a lot of, you know different modern arena FPS titles coming out nowadays. You got Diabotical, you know, which just came out. And of course there's some um, Reflex Arena. I don't know how happy that still is. Not but really. of course there's still <laughs> yeah. and then there's still others coming out. But you know, uh, of course I'm trying to, you know, explore ideas, you know, what you know ways that these future arena FPS games can potentially, you know, take some inspiration from and if there's any one idea from Uber Arena that you know that can make it into a future arena FPS game, just one, uh, then I would definitely you know want it to be trampolines because I feel like that one uh, it's my it's my personal favorite. I just love the elegance and the how it fits with fake's movement and all that. I think I, I strongly think it would definitely make a revolution in map design uh, and add a lot of interesting new gameplay possibilities that just weren't there before. I'd be very interested to see what you could do, you know, in the Q Fusion engine. So, like something like Warfork or Warsaw uh, with that mechanic, because you know you don't have as much air control and VQ3 movement at all. So you, the trampoline works in such a way that you know you jump off a ledge and you hit it at an angle at a certain speed, and then you go off, you know, basically straight in that opposite and equal direction. But you know, if you have air control, it totally changes the fucking game. Have you tried? Uber Arena with like a CPMA mechanic at all? Um, not yet. I haven't. And, uh, I haven't tried coding anything like that and uh, just yet. Probably be quite a bit of work. And I guess I'm a little demoted. Um, I didn't have much motivation to do it because, of course, I'm trying to pursue new ideas. So mm-hmm. trying to remake CPM physics, I didn't really have huge motivation to do. It's like, well, CPM's already done it, and they, you know, they've already you know perfected it and done it better. So. Uh, but um, I have approached, I have approached, you know, people, you know, uh, in the CPM community with a trampoline idea to look at it and, you know, uh, 
and they think it looks pretty interesting, you know, uh, that's, it would be very interesting to see trampolines with CTM mechanics. And I agree. I think it would uh, be very fascinating to see that kind of mechanic, you know, those two mechanics, be, you know, blended in with each other, you know, working together, you know, I think it'd be really fascinating to see that. What about the 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 new weapons, uh, the Uber weapons as you call them? What what do you think about them? Makes them stand out because this is the trademark mechanic of the game, really. Yep, absolutely. That's why it's called Uber Arena. <laughs> so um, with Uber uh, weapons, there's a lot of different mods that you know have uh, upgrade weapons. Isn't a new idea. You know, you have a ton of different mods. You know, that upgrade the base weaponry. You know, like Excessive plus, for example, you know, uh, but it's still um, uh, one of those playthrough mods I think still gets a little bit of activity nowadays. But of course, the thing with, you know, mods like that is that we, uh, you know, they tend to not be too balanced. You know, you start, like, you might start with these weapons, right, super powerful weapons right off the bat, or they're too easy to get. You know, it doesn't feel like they're well balanced around Quake's uh, gameplay yet. So what I was wanting to do was to create a mechanic that, you know, was predict was predictable, uh, was you know, uh, was practical, but something that could easily be countered, uh, something uh, that was not too overcomplicated, uh, you know, a weapon upgrade mechanic that would you know fit very naturally within the flow of standard arena FPS gameplay, uh, yeah. and. One of my inspirations uh, for the Uber weapons was um, the, the Quake mission pack Dissolution of Eternity. Uh, yeah. And um, so in Dissolution of Eternity, uh, that uh, mission pack doesn't have any strictly new weapons, but it does give you like alternative ammo types for existing weapons. So you have like a lava nail gun, which shoots, you know, which shoots nails that more damage and also multiplayer they can pierce through armor um uh, multi-rocket launchers stuff like that and um Arushi, i was going to do something similar for uber arena was to have like alternative ammo packages and like have them uh, on you know in place of regular ammo packs at certain points after players pick them up i had a had a way of doing it that was deterministic that didn't Try to rely on randomness because that's one of the goals of Uber Arena is that the mechanics don't use any random number generators. You know, I wanted to make sure that every mechanic was predictable and deterministic. You know, uh, I could be countered. So, uh, so that way, you know, if you messed up, that's your fault. And it's not because, you know, the game just happened to pick a random number that didn't work well for you. So that's why I tried with, um, with that at first. But I realized that, you know, uh, I don't think it was really practical to be able to keep track of which ammo boxes are going to become super ammo boxes and which ones weren't. So I went back to the drawing board on that. And then I had the idea as with picking up weapons, you know, uh, usually once you pick up a weapon for the first time, uh, you get the weapon, of course, and then you get the ammo. Uh, but then there's not really too much of a reason to go back for that same weapon again, uh, or then to get a little bit more ammo, or maybe to deny it from another player, of course. And I thought, you know, it, it might be interesting to take advantage of uh, this idea of, you know, uh, what, uh, what if you went back and collected that same weapon, you know, a few more times, you know, and 
So that and so that's what the evil weapon uh, concept I think really starts solidifying is getting three copies of the same weapon uh, and then uh, turning and then turning that into a uh, to a newer weapon. Uh, and I really liked that idea because it was elegant. There wasn't the need to create any new items you know, on the map. You know, this is something that could be integrated into existing maps without having to add any new items. It's uh, it's easily counterable. It's uh, it's based on uh, item control, and if anything, it adds more importance to controlling weapons, which is one of the goals of Uber Arena. Is to uh, and it places more emphasis on the ammo and weapon control as opposed to just health and harbor control. Yeah. And so, and so with Uber weapons, you know, I felt that it's, um, it's, a, it's a way of implementing the upgrade weapon mechanic that I feel is very natural uh, and um, uh, something that I feel can easily be, uh, be, uh, be countered and uh, hopefully work, you know, in a competitive environment. I did make some adjustments for it in dual though to make it um, a little more balanced. And dual mode only, uh, you have um, uh, a limited supply of Uber ammo that you get when you pick up a Uber weapon. Uh, so, uh, like if you say pick up the homing rocket launcher, which is the Uber rocket launcher, then um, uh, like in all the other game modes, you get to keep that. You know, it stays with you until you die. But in dual mode only, uh, um, you only get like five uber homing rocket shots and then after that you lose them so you have to make sure that you uh use them carefully you know uh, otherwise you don't get to keep your uber weapon and then it reverts back to its normal form and then you got to collect three more rocket launchers and that was in response because i felt that maybe you know uh, the mechanic as it was might be a little imbalanced for dual uh, i was hoping that with that by incorporating the uber ammo mechanic that it could work out in dual as well and be a little more balanced one of the other really cool things is the uh, you've added three new power-up items. So you've got the Conservation, the Rampage, and the Scavenger. And these are you – know, every single thing you do to the game is going to dramatically change the way that, you know uh, – if, if you're coming into Uber Arena thinking like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty good at Quake 3 or Quake Live. Like it's, it's a learning process. There's a lot of different things that kind of change the game. Yeah, you're going to be in for a big surprise. <laughs> yeah. So conservation with the infinite ammo thing, how, how did you work that into gameplay? What's, what's your idea with balancing that? So conservation was actually an idea that I've had for a very long time before Uber Arena, you know, the concept of a power-up that just basically gave you infinite ammo. Because for a long time, we've always had power-ups, you know, like, um, uh, like the battle suit, you know, that protected your health, you know, preventing you from losing health and everything, you know, protecting your armor. But we didn't really have an equivalent for, like, we didn't really have such an equivalent for, like, ammo, uh, which I always thought was rather interesting. Uh, the closest thing we had to that was um, uh, in the Team Arena expansion for Quake 3, there is a power called Ammo Region, uh, which is, I guess, kind of approaches that concept. But then they changed that to armor region for quite wide. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, that kind of infinite ammo thing. Surprisingly, this does not get explored a whole bunch. One uh, one thing I did consider though is that um, originally it was just going to be uh, an infinite ammo power up. Mm -hmm. But then I kind of considered, you know, uh, how useful is that really? I mean, because I mean, obviously it's useful, but like compared to the quad damage burst, uh, for instance, like. I mean, at first glance, you know, they do seemingly, you know, completely different things. Conser you know, conservation, you know, uh, gives the infinite ammo and 
apply damage, you know, increases your damage. But um, uh, if you're inflicting more damage with each shot of your weapon, uh, then you naturally won't end up using as much ammo. Uh, you don't have to spend as much ammunition because you're doing more damage. So in a way, quad damage already kind of already kind of does, you know, what conservation does in a more roundabout way, uh, which, you know, and then I kind of realized, you know, oh, uh, I kind of, I mean, conservation, of course, is infinite ammo, uh, but I don't know how long, you know, uh, how long players will survive long enough for that to be really relevant, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so uh, I had to think of some way for, uh, for people to have a reason, you know, to collect a conservation power up, to, to give us something, you know, that makes people want to go for it. And then I realized that, you know, the haste power up in Quake 3, for example, uh, by that one, of course, increases your rate of fire, which, I mean, uh, I mean, essentially that does, uh, I mean, essentially if the rate of fire is increased, that lets you outport more, da more damage more quickly, which is also what the quad damage does. But unlike the quad damage, since you're firing more quickly, you're using up ammo faster as well. Uh, but the thing about haste is that it also has an additional effect where it increases your running speed alongside that. So it compensates for the fact that it eats up for your ammo uh, by giving the player an upper ability along the side. Uh, and so uh, I kind of thought that I could do a similar approach to the conservation uh, where I would give it an additional effect to kind of offset the fact that kind of give it a, du a duality uh, to, uh, with the haste uh, power-up. Like with the quad damage power-up, you know, you have a power-up that's Let's you uh, do damage more quickly, uh, and also conserves your ammo. Uh, haste lets you uh, inflict a lot of damage real quickly, but it doesn't conserve your ammo. Uh, and so, conservation, I went the opposite, uh, the opposite route. Um, it's a power up that conserves your ammo, but it doesn't increase your damage output. And so, like how the haste power up has some additional effects, compensates for its disadvantage. Conservation has its own uh, uh, side effects and. I decided to take one of the mechanics in Uber Arena and tie it into the conservation power-up. And um, it's not one we touched upon yet, but it's the it's the weapon limits mechanic. So in Uber Arena, there is a mechanic where you are limited on how many weapons you can carry at any one time. Uh, you can increase that limit through weapon pouches, of course. But um, uh, if you try to pick up a weapon and you already reach the limit, then you won't be able to pick it up. But with conservation, in addition to getting that infinite ammo, uh, it also temporarily removes your weapon limits. So uh, it basically makes it like more mobile gameplay for a little while where you can pick up whatever weapons you want and you don't have to worry about weapon pouches and weapon limits. You know, you can just, you know, for that period of time. Uh, I think the best and coolest of the the new uh, power-ups that you have integrated into Uber Arena is Rampage because it's, I don't hate the champions in Quake Champions. Like, I don't mind that they have powers, but I think it's cooler in this sense. So, like, you know, Rampage is something similar to, like, a scale bearer type situation where you run into people and kill them. But when anyone could, you know, it's better for me when you play for the opportunity to do something like that than it is to just have it at your disposal at all times based on the, the character you picked. Yeah. Yeah, with Rampage, you know, it doesn't... Give you a speed boost or anything, uh, mm -hmm. and one of the kind of things that Rampage stats it rewards players with good movement skills. You know, mm -hmm. uh, being able to you know quickly go from one player to the next. You know, and being able to you know approach them and you know 
intercept them so that you know you touch them and you brag them you know with the rampage what else have you got going on man is can't all just be uber you know what's what else is in in the books for you i'm actually the current moment um i am working on a roblox game right now what's to kind of experiment with that so i heard that you can um, actually make quite a party can make some money uh um, doing Roblox games, and I thought, you know, uh, that might be a way, you know, to kind of practice, you know, programming skills a bit more while also, you know, making a little money on the side, uh, doing something I enjoy. I'm not really a particularly big fan of Roblox, but, I mean, I mean, you know, it's interesting to be able to, you know, design stuff for it, and hopefully something good will come of it, and in the future, of course, you know, I want to continue to build up my portfolio, uh, you know, and show off projects, you know, to future employers, you know, to, you know, hopefully lend me, you know, uh, some regular jobs, you know, doing freelance work. I had a friend, uh, he, he went by the name Micro, but he used to make a pretty, you know, substantial little side, you know, hustle. And all he would do is uh, make campaigns. He would program campaigns for like this Minecraft group that I guess just really wanted custom campaigns and they didn't know how to do it themselves. So he would just kind of what do you have in mind and then they would pay him you know here's a hundred bucks make this campaign for us i thought i thought about doing a module minecraft as well uh, mm-hmm. i guess you know, i guess i'm a little demotivated because you know minecraft is so immensely popular and it's been out for so long now that it feels like pretty much everything has been done you know at this point it's like whatever idea i can think of someone somewhere else has probably already done it i think you should just do what you're passionate about right like because you can always be discouraged by that sort of thing. Like you can make the equal and opposite argument about you know Roblox. Like oh, it's not quite as popular as Minecraft, and maybe it's not even worth it because it won't be popular or whatever. But at the end of the day, just like do what you want to do and figure out a way to make it work for you. And I think that's what's yeah. important. Discouraged yeah. people can make up excuses and to be discouraged all day long, but there's no. I mean, Arena yeah. FPS, right? Like that's the the least interesting thing going on. <laughs> in the world to most people and oh, yeah. even in the gaming world. But because, because I love it so much, that's why I talk about it all the time. Yeah. And I mean, that's why I ended up doing Uber Arena too. Cause I know, cause I definitely know, you know, when I was making Uber Arena that I definitely, you know, what's going to be at this super popular thing with Arena FPS, you know, being the state is in it all. Uh, but I did anyway, cause you know, I really, you know, I really wanted to get those ideas that I had out there. Just kind of floating my head, you know, and just kind of, I wanted to see what people thought of them, you know, and maybe, uh, maybe just inspire developers to take a look, you know, some inspiration from these ideas while also having, you know, a nice portfolio piece, you know, to show some of what I'm capable of. Yeah. So do you, do you see yourself making a standalone game at some point or do you see yourself trying to like work for a studio? Probably for a studio, uh, not even close to having the level still needed yet to make a full fledged game from the ground up, like, I mean, even even starting with like a base engine, like let's say starting with Unreal Engine Four, as like you know, like say I wanted to start my own arena. Yes, you know I have to you know uh, build a physics you know from the ground up, and of course arena FPS, considering how competitive you know that genre is, you know it's very important to get those physics you know as accurate, going as smooth as possible. You know there's very little there's very little room for error. Anyone who's taking up an arena FPS game, trying to make one, uh, is um, it's definitely a huge challenge, and not just because you know it's it because you know the genre itself, you know it's not very popular, but because you know there's just 
a lot of very technical details regarding it, you know, and people are very sensitive to those details. You might not be able to quite touch upon why something feels right, but they just kind of instinctively know it. And, you know, having to find that balance, you know, is something that is very challenging, you know, and I don't know necessarily if I am up for that, but, but it does, but I have considered it before. It definitely does sound interesting. I mean, I applaud anyone at all. I mean, I've had many of them on the show and I give them all the same kind of feedback. Anyone at all who is passionate enough about arena FPS to make their own arena FPS game and try to sell it or whatever. Again, I applaud them, but from a, in a, in a monetary point of view, like if you're trying to actually make a living, it's one of the worst things that you could really invest in as far as games go. You know, there's not, not just arena FPS, but like competitive online games, period. Not because they're bad or, you know, that people don't like them. It's just, there's so much upkeep, right? So you make an arena FPS game, you publish it, and then just dealing constantly, as you said, with the, what people want, making adjustments, changes, like that never ends. So you're, your time put into that investment will never really be over. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's a tough crowd. You know, there's nothing wrong, you know, with having those, you know, those standards, you know, where we absolutely mm-hmm. want to get a high quality game going. Yeah. But it is definitely something to be aware of, uh, you know, that people are very sensitive, you know, to the small details. You absolutely, you know, have to have a good, a good eye for that when you're making a game like that. Coming up on you know, 45 minutes to an hour here, do you, do you have anything else that you wanted to get through? Anything you want to get off your chest? You get some confessions to make? <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, was there any other topics like that you know, like, um, uh, Any other things you like about Ibarina that you thought were interesting? Or well, for me personally, I'm, I'm I'm really interested in seeing what you could do mapping. You know, outside of just you know Uber Arena or whatever. Like you've already had such an extensive set of accomplishments in Quake and everything, but it, it, we have. We have lots of other things going on that I feel like you could contribute to. So, as I said earlier, I would like to see what you could do with the Qfusion engine. Like, if you could make a, some good maps, like CTF maps, or uh, there's a couple of really cool game modes that we've been experimenting with lately. Call one of them is my favorite, Freeze Tag Arena, which is like Clan Arena, uh, but you know with Freeze Tag mechanics. So, it essentially accomplishes everything that you know uh, Diabotical's Wipeout does, and that you know you're not out of the game when you die once, you know, you, you continue to come back and respawn. So, and it works the same way in that the entire other team has to be frozen for you to win. So what I really like about that mechanic is that it, it drives people to be more, what's the word I'm looking for? Proactive. Yeah. You have to be proactive to, in order <laughs> in order to be successful at this, you can't just run away like you do in clan arena or in wipeout, you know, it's not about yeah. avoidance. It's about, you have to freeze the whole other team. And as everyone knows with freeze tag, you also have these situations where, uh, you know, your teammates frozen and the other team knows that you're the last one alive, but, and they also know where you have to go. Like they know you yeah. have to go to one of those, you know, two or three places where a teammate is frozen in order to continue. So it just forces conflict. But I would really yeah, be well, interested to see what you, as a mapper, can do with stuff like this. Yeah, I've um, uh, I've definitely taken a look at uh, at Warcord. I've always been a fan of War War Cell, you know, War, which is the game it was based off of. You know, I always loved the field, the engine, everything. And so I forgot to mention, I actually did make an app for that um, back in the day too, called Catharsis, and uh, mm-hmm. 
that got a bit of uh, that got a bit of play in uh, tournaments as well. Uh, and actually got a little bit of play just uh, recently this year too. Um, actually came back to uh, came back to it and uh, got played on some of the deep servers. It was uh, it's really interesting, you know, seeing people play it again after like eight years. You know, it's quite a while. But um, yeah, I think um, uh, this work work. I think the source code is available for it, or at least you know it's extendable, modable to uh, the point where you know. At some point, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd be interested you know, to experiment and maybe port some of the ideas from, uh, from Uber Arena and Quake 3 over to Warcourt, you know, and see how they work at that engine. Like, as you mentioned, you know, the trampoline mechanic and seeing how it works with the air control and everything, you know, and maybe porting some of the power-ups and the Uber weapon mechanic and everything, you know. It'd definitely be interesting to see how that works in the game. Yeah. I think you could do pretty much anything you want. It's just a matter of getting you motivated to try it out. There's definitely some other ideas I have on the table in the, in the future that I want to try you know, uh, to experiment with. I won't go over all of them, but um, like one of the ideas that I have for the future was um, uh, kind of a time stop uh, power-up mechanic. Um, um, so you activate it and it freezes everyone in the arena for 10 seconds, but you can still fire your weapons and pick up items. Of course, the main issue is, you know, trying to balance that out, you know, without it being too powerful. Uh, and there are a few other interesting, uh, few other interesting ideas I had as well. Um, there also, um, uh, was that very interesting idea of like anti-gravity, uh, um, surfaces or like, like multi-directional gravity, like um, like have you played uh, Prey? To the, I'm not talking about the new Prey, uh, like the you know that came out a few years back. I'm talking about like the 2006 Prey uh, game. No, I, I haven't played that one. Uh, I mean, I haven't either, to be honest. But I do know that um, that game has a, me- a mechanic where like um, there's these surfaces that the player can walk on. Uh, that can make them like walk on walls and upside down and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. And I always thought, you know, that that would be also be a very fascinating mechanic to support an arena FPS, you know, with these surfaces, you know, that's, you know, the player can't hear to, you know, that or so to make them go upside down, you know, walk on walls and everything. You know, I think that would definitely be a very interesting route to explore. Um, I never was able to program with it in the Uber arena. I ran into some issues of like getting the mouse controls to work with the angle changes. And honestly, I'm starting to think that maybe, you know, uh, that's kind of, you know, an inherent limit with the quick resource code. Like I have to start making some engine level changes to get to, get to the point where it would feel good. Uh, but like in a ground up arena, I guess, where they're working with a much more flexible engine, I think uh, that would definitely be an interesting route to take. Of course, the main concern would be like, motion sickness. I have heard that like Portal 2 uh, did try a mechanic like that. Um, uh, they had a, they used to have a gel called the adhesion gel where the player could use that to walk on walls and seamless everything. But from what I've heard, like latencies got sick when they tried using it. So I guess that'd be my main concern is trying to, you know, implement multi-directional gravity in an arena FPS without making people throw up. I guess that'd be a big challenge there, you know. I don't know if it'd be possible, you know, or not, but I, ideally the best thing you could do is, you know, just make, you know, the transitions as smooth as possible, you know, no sudden lurches or anything, uh, you know. But if it is possible to pull off, you know, I think, I think that along with trampolines, you know, would definitely be a, 
pretty interesting route to take with Arena FPS, scale level design. You, it kind of reminds me, I don't know why it reminds me of this, but you remember how uh, in Quake 2, right, all the original maps kind of occupy space in a essentially a big cube. If I'm, I could be mistaken about this, but I'm pretty sure it's Quake 2. And so the center of gravity is below all of them. So depending on the particular level you're in, right, your the right. gravity has a different effect on you. Like you can jump higher or you know further on some maps because of your relation to the center of gravity in the overall game. Right. I don't know. Something you said reminded me of. I think it's just the the whole idea of the differential gravity in general. I do remember there was like a secret map in the Quake Two uh, where it had lower gravity, uh, but it was still. But I mean, it was still fundamentally, you know, you're still falling down and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I don't. I don't recall anything where like you know, it was like gravity going in different directions. But um, uh, any games that do have that, you know, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. Anything's possible, dude. You're doing you're doing really interesting work, and I mean, I'm glad we finally got you on the podcast. Because when did I first ask you? Like, I, I can go through yeah, like two years, two years ago. <laughs> At the time, I was really like looking for you know what are some really cool arena FPS mods that I could show off, and you were one of the first ones that came up. Like, oh man, you got to try. Out. I think Smango was really into your shit. I know a lot yeah. of uh, folks in the keep are going to be really happy to finally hear your voice. Yeah, sorry for the two year wait. Yeah, at the time I was pretty nervous about doing it, but I'm definitely, uh, I definitely feel a lot more confident now, you know, about being able to talk about this, you know, and um, share what I've been able to do. And especially because, you know, now that I got my social history and everything, you know, and I've made more progress, I'm in a better, you know, better position than I was two years ago. Uh, so, you know, there's that to consider too. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad we finally did it, man. And I think this is a good time to kind of call it. We're almost at an hour anyway. So, Sounds good. Well, yeah. Well, it was uh, it was uh, definitely really exciting to be able to get on here, you know, to be able to talk and um, definitely look um, definitely look forward to seeing how it turns out. You know, and I'm hoping that um, maybe sometime down the road, you know, we can uh, try out Everena online. You know, uh, maybe get you know you know some servers running or whatever. You know, to try it out. You know, with the players online. You know, I've only been able to like. Played online with like one person so far for a little bit. I've never been able to really try the mod out to reels with multiple people with no online. So I definitely think that'd be pretty exciting to be able to do. Make, make it so. Let's do it. All right. Seriously, thank you to Emerald Tiger for finally coming on the show and being such a great guest. Uh, definitely go check out Uber Arena and all of his other work if you get the chance. It's really fantastic stuff. Also, big thank you to Amorpher for the awesome musical track we have playing right here in the background for your uh, haunting entertainment. I actually, while I was listening to the track to choose which one I was going to put in this episode, I had to stop and message him and be like, Jesus, dude, seriously, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, why? Why? It's so haunting, so beautiful. But, you know, thanks some more for I love you, brother. Thank you again, as always, to all of our wonderful supporters over on Patreon. Paul, Moose, Dots, Zach, Alexander, Brad, Red Eyes, Anthony, Robert, Jack, Brandy, Fred, and Lord Revan. You are all absolutely incredible. If you're wondering how to support, just head over to inthekeep.com, find the support tab, find the merch tab, do what you need to do. We have lots of shit on there, PayPal, credit card, 
uh, Venmo, we've got, you know, merch sales, blah, 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 blah. It's all there. And definitely check out our affiliate links. We've got some cool stuff on there. We've got Instacart where you can uh, get groceries delivered straight to your place. Just go through our link and it'll help us out too. You can also go to Amazon.com. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, instead of just doing you're shopping through Amazon and only giving your money to Jeff Bezos, a little bit of it could be coming back to the Drown God, which will favor you in the Great Judgment. Head on over to Zensports.com if you are into sports betting of any kind, especially esports betting. Head on over there to their website. Sign up for their wonderful little app. You can uh, run tournaments off that shit. Promo code ITKPOD will get you $500 in free play bonus when you sign up and make your initial deposit. But until next time, brothers, sisters, lovers, friends, stay in the keep. Tier 666 in the keep.